2: G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are doing a deep dive on positions in a positional analysis video. And uh, what do they mean? Who, uh, What positions score the best in each category? Does it matter when we're drafting? And who has some funky and useful positions for us to draft in our fantasy basketball drafts? Let's go! Jordan,
3: open! Chicago!
0: talking about. Right. The crime changed
3: with no record for human life. He's going to die. Back out to Allen. History quarter. Bang. Hurry for three. Wow. Unbelievable. Making it rain in New York. We the North are now we the champions.
2: day, and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Bo- uh, Mitch Casey, <laughs> that is my name, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And uh, just off the top of the show, guys, like we said, we're going to go through some positional analysis um, in today's podcast. This is kind of like the, the sister episode to the previous uh, podcast that we did, which was Statistical um, Scarcity, so... Using these two episodes, we're going to come up with a really good understanding of where certain categories and where statistics can be found in their drafts and what kind of positional type of player they are attached to. And this can give us a really good understanding of where and how quickly we need to form our opinion in certain punt builds um, and what categories can be salvaged later and maybe don't need to be punted, even if we are slightly behind in some of these other things. So I hope that all makes sense when we start this video. However, before we get started again, just a reminder, if you want to join me and verse me in a 30-team head-to-head category leagues, uh, weekly lineups, $25 entry um, for the Ball Boys Championship 30 League, the um, details to enter the league will be held at the end of this podcast, but... Just before we get started, make sure you are following me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. That is essential to getting into the league. Uh, but at the end of the video and end of the podcast today, guys, we will be going through some step-by-step... Uh details on how to enter that league because there will be obviously 29 spots. I'm in the league, 29 other spots available, so limited um, availability. But if you want a chance to beat me, (laughs) well, verse me, lose to me uh, in fantasy basketball this season, um, you can hang around to the end of the episode and I'll talk you guys through how to do that. So let's go in to talk about positions. Now, before I go into the heavy nitty-gritty... You know, nerdy kind of stats that I've prepared for today. What we, a lot of the times we talk about positions, and maybe some of you might be coming over from a fantasy football um, perspective as well. And positions in that kind of a scenario is very, very important because when you're, you know, drafting like a running back versus a quarterback, there might be so many quarterbacks that score X amount of points, but only a few running backs that score this much. So you've got to prioritize getting those running backs over the quarterbacks. In basketball, Not that big of a difference, okay? So, uh, in terms of like prioritizing certain positions over other positions because of the lack of, you know, whatever, I don't think it's that important. So, let me get that right off the bat. The focus of today is more so on, like we sort of said, the previous episode talking about statistical scarcity. So, marrying up that data with the categories that each position produces and the averages between all of those positions And so we can sort of get a better understanding of, you know, when a center averages, for example, five assists per game versus a point guard averaging five assists per game. Should they be weighted equally or is there an argument to say that that is more valuable from the center than it is from the guard? And I'll give you my thoughts and opinions on that as we go through. So let's go into it now again. A little bit of a nerdy exercise here, but uh, I hope it makes sense as we go along. So You know how to book flights and hotels.
1: All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.
2: Let's talk about points. Again, so talking about points as a category. Now, when we divide it up between the different categories, this is how it works out. Now, again, for this exercise, I've used my minus one rankings. Um, So my top 120, all of the point guard eligible players, according to Yahoo, is where I've gotten this data. Um, So if they are point guard eligible, that's what they've been used. If they're shooting guard eligible, that's what they've been used. So there are some overlaps, obviously, some you know, the dual position, so point guard, shooting guard, you've you've used their data in both sample sizes, but this is to get a greater understanding of what each position does because obviously you can move and uh, mix and match them depending on what other positions you have in your team. So if we go through these ones here for points, point guards average the most in terms of points at 20.4 inside the top one on 20 the shooting guards average 19.9, small forwards 20.2, power forwards 19.4, so all within one points per game between all those positions. So really not too much difference at all, except for when it comes to the center, which averaged 16.6 So, four points per game difference between centers and point guards, which were the most, or just under four points per game. So, on average, centers score fewer points than all of the other positions. So, again, this is a key thing for us to remember because when we draft someone such as a, you know, um, let's talk about like a Jaron Jackson Jr., for example, or even someone like an Evan Mobley, they're not necessarily scoring a lot of points per game. If we see in the top 120, the um, average in points per game is 18.9. So even though they might be scoring you know 18 or 17 points per game it might be below average overall but above average for that center position now i think that this is important because depending on how you structure your team if you're drafting a center then you can only put that center in a certain amount of positions on your lineup yes i know we have utility and flex positions but usually we've probably only got maybe maximum of 3 of those in our starting lineups And you could have five centers and two center spots and and three utilities, and that's all well and good. But for example, we might be limited somewhat in terms of how many of a certain position we can have. So if I'm drafting a center, then I am forfeiting the opportunity cost of that position providing me X amount of stats. So if I have a center who's giving me 15 points, I can now, and he's taking up my center position, I can't put, obviously, someone else in there that's averaging more points. I need to put them on a utility spot, which might otherwise be taken up by another point guard that I might prefer to have in that position. So... For me, I think it actually does matter. Now, it's not the be-all and end-all. I think it's definitely maybe slightly lower compared to that statistical scarcity stuff that we talked about in the last podcast. But it does make a difference, in my opinion, especially when we are talking about punch strategies in, um, I think it probably, my points is probably a bad example, but in a few of other these categories, it does make a bit more sense. Let's go on to the next one. Rebounds. Now, very uh, very obviously, the point guards average the fewest, 4.3, and it kind of just goes up towards the top here. So, shooting guards, 4.6, small forwards, 5.5, power forwards, 7.2, and centers average 9.5 rebounds across all of the centers in the top 120 of my minus one rankings. Of the top 20, regardless of position, the average was 6.4 rebounds per game. So, We uh, spoke about in the previous podcast that rebounds were quite flat. And that is because a lot of the centers can be found in many parts of the draft this season, at least in my opinion. Um, But we still obviously see this this category dominated by centers. So that is to say, though, that if you draft a center that rebounds, you know, seven or eight rebounds per game, you're a bit behind the ball game because you're going to probably have to draft more centers, have more of those players at that position or get some out-of-position stats to make up with that. Whereas in general, those guards and small forwards, for example, don't rebound quite as much. This next one here is is another interesting one. So let's talk about assists. And this is where I think we could illustrate that punt strategy a little bit more um, clearly, in my opinion. So if we talk about assists per position, so point guards obviously average the most at six assists per position. Uh, per game for point guards, shooting guards, the next at 4.6, small forwards and power forwards, interestingly, the same at 3.7, and centers obviously average the least at 2.7. So this is when we talk about um, going into punt strategies, and I see a lot of people do this, they'll go with someone, and they'll draft someone like a Joel Embiid in the first round, and actually, let's let's do this as an exercise, if I bring up Okay, so we're over here on Basketball Monster and I've, and we're looking at the rankings from last year. So just using to illustrate a point in this um, example here. So if I go and I'm drafting Joel Embiid, now you can look at his stats here and you can see that from his production point of view, threes, assists and steals, turnovers obviously, but so everyone else who's in the first round. Um, threes, assists and steals are sort of his worst categories. He's excellent in rebounds, points, blocks, field percentage, free throw percentage. That's all amazing. So, you might look at this, this these kind of lower stats here and think, okay, in terms of assists, that's one of his worst categories. So, I'm going to go in and I'm going to punt that category because it's one of his worst categories and I want to build on Joel Embiid's strengths. However, Joel Embiid is averaging 4.2 assists and he is a center only player. And like we said, when we talk about averages for centers, centers in assists average 2.7. So he is nearly um, one and a half assists better than average. So when you go into this second round and you're able to get a guard and maybe look at someone who's got a similar kind of one and a half assists better than average, which would be about seven and a half assists, you're looking really strong in that category still, even though Joel Embiid isn't typically what you would consider a... Um, big assist volume player because you've locked up some of those assists in your center position and still been able to manage to get your rebounds, your field goal percentage, your blocks, um... You know all of those really really good things that uh, another center would give you, but this center here is also giving you some good assists. And you might be able to instead of grabbing another one in round three or four, you might be able to get two guards or two wings in a row and then be really strong in on that one quite comfortably. Uh, another example here might be someone like a Steph Curry on the opposite end of things. Now Steph Curry again point guard, six point three assists is what he averaged last year. We could do this example again with Shea or Alexander. Now he put up. Uh, assists. When we compare them to the average of point guards, uh, point guard averages six assists for the um, top 120. So, Asher Gills alexander whilst he's a positive contributor in total, but compared to other point guards, other players that play his position, he's actually... um, Below, he's actually a, a negative when you compare to another guard that you could have instead of Shea in that position. You know, you go through these other guards if you want to get a James Harden, a, a Fred Van Vliet. You know, all these guys later that you could get are uh, bigger boosts to your assists than him. So you might actually think that even though Shea gives you more assists than a Joel Embiid, Shea is probably the better player to punt the uh, assist category because of his. Um, average versus his position, um, in my opinion, because then in the second round, when you go to get a a big, so in these two scenarios, if I grab a big in the first round and a and a guard in the second round, if I did it the other way and went Shea, and then in the second round I grab another big, one of the next best bigs might be a um, like a Jaron Jackson Jr. for example, or. I don't know, someone like a Miles Turner or, or one of these guys, Kristaps Porzingis. I know these might be different this year, but in that scenario, I'm averaging way fewer assists, even though I started with a player with a better assist contribution. So for that reason, and and I think this that's important to highlight when we talk about these positional averages in terms of beginning and setting our sights on a punt build so that... Um,
1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: We don't just lock in and go, this is his worst category, when it might be bad overall, well, not might be subpar overall, but for other players that play his position, it actually might be a really big boost. So... To me, that is a, a key highlight here and something that I think um, this exercise can help us with. And just sort of understanding what, what's like a pass mark? What's like a good target for each position? Like, you know, if I can get someone who averages six assists in, in a point guard position, okay, that's, that's all right. That's, that's a pass. That's average. But if I can get six assists from my power forward, that's amazing. That's really good. That's almost, you know, over two assists better than average. So I think that is important to, um, sort of, grasp and get your head around. Let's talk about threes. Now, obviously, there's a lot of threes in the NBA um, progressively over the last couple of years, but there's still a big discrepancy between our guards. 2.3, 2.4 2.3, 2.4 for our shooting guards. 2.2 with our small forwards. Power forward starts to drop a little bit at 1.6, and our centers again 0.6. So you've got a lot of centers in the in the fantasy drafts that don't shoot any threes. So that can be uh, you know something that brings you down. So if you're getting a center that's hitting one three per game, that's a, a positive for that that position versus a point guard shooting one three per game, you would be uh, not not too happy about that because I could fill that position with something else. Now, again, you could go out and there are some centers that shoot, you know, a couple threes per game and you can get that, but there's not that many. And it means that those players, if you are using that argument, become more important to you. And there's less room for error when you rely on grabbing those guys and to get those out-of-position stats. So, just something, again, just to keep in mind. Steals. Steals a um, little bit more even across the board. So, point guards, 1.15. Shooting guards, 1.11. Small forwards, 1.05. Power forwards, 0.94. And then, again, another decent drop away to the centers at 0.77. So, of the top 100, the average is one steal per game. So, I think that's, for most positions, pretty good to aim for. That, you know, one steal um, is is what we would consider a pass mark. Um, and the centres, maybe you drop that down to sort of like that 0.8 kind of a mark. So, it's a little bit little bit less likely you're going to get your steals from your centres compared to other positions, but otherwise pretty even across the board. Blocks, obviously, pretty similar, but obviously in the reverse to assists. So, the point guards don't get many, 0.37 0.41, 0.52 for small forwards, 0.85 for power forwards, and centers get you 1.32. Now, I've had a little gripe, I guess, with players such as like uh, DeMontis Sabonis in the past because he doesn't give you many block shots, and he's also a poor free-throw percentage shooter, so he doesn't fit those perfect punt builds nicely. I prefer my centers to, if I'm going to go after those big man stats, to block me shots, or at least, you know, closer to that one, you know, to 1.3, that average mark. And I think that average this season is going to be higher than previous seasons because of a few other shot blockers that are joining the league. But because I need to get my blocks basically from my power forwards and my centers, I'm not going to rely on guys in my point guard position to carry me in blocks. It's just not really feasible. Now, you can get guys who don't pull you back and don't hurt you in blocks. They're obviously um, players that do better in other categories than not. But for the vast majority of things, uh, on average, you could draft four point guards that are equal to one center uh, in terms of the block category. So when you are looking to be competitive in that, if you are drafting centers that don't block shots, you are, I guess, missing out on opportunities to build on the strength in that category. Um, despite the average across the league being 0.73 blocks per game. And again, I, just to reiterate this, I think blocks, you're going to need more blocks than normal to be competitive this season, in my opinion, based on my projections. Let's talk field goal percentage. This one surprised me. Um, field goal percentage, point guards, 44.9%. Um, I've mucked up the percentages there. Um, not zero percent 44.9%, forty four point nine percent. so ignore that on the screen there. Shooting guards, 46.7%. Small forwards, 47.5%. Power forwards, 49.4%. And then centers make a massive leap up to 57.9%. But the interesting thing, and the thing that surprised me the most was of the top 120, the average in field goal percentage was 50.4%. Now, I think... Firstly, this makes me want to go back and check all my projections, but two reasons why I think this could be legit. Number one, I think that the center position is the deepest that it's been in years. Um, so, there are much many more centers, I think, that are going to be going inside the top 120 this season than there have been in seasons past. Number two, I think a lot of the time, well, in the NBA, a lot of players are learning to become more and more efficient, to become better and better players. Um, so, Teams are taking less, you know, those mid-range shots. They're shooting high-volume threes or they're getting to the rim. So, I think over the past 10 or so years, players in terms of field goal percentage are just getting better, um, even though the volume of threes are getting higher. And combine that with the higher prevalence of centers in this um, season in particular, that 50.4% is... Probably unusually high. Now, again, with the percentages, both the free throw and field goal percentage, this is not necessarily the most indicative of the value, but it's, it's probably a good understanding in terms of like a pass-fail. You do also need to take into account how much volume your player is shooting. So um, those centers, typically, if we go back to the points per game, they're going to be lower volume. So it is weighted Like, it's not realistic to expect your team to average 50.4% and be average. If your team averaged that for your team, that would be very, very strong because a lot of those point guards, shooting guards, small forwards will be taking more shots than the centers at 58%. So, um, when you apply a bit more of a weighting to it, it won't be quite this high. So, keep that in mind, but just from a pure... Average of all of the percentages in every position, that's what it comes out to, 50.4, but that is heavily influenced by that uh, 58% from the centers there. So, keep that one in mind. And then free throw percentage... Again, pretty even across the board until we get to the bigger guys. So point guards, 82.8%, so 83. Shooting guards, 83.3. Small forwards, 82.0. Power forwards, 79.3. And then centers again at 72.5. So again, a good illustration that we we need to give these guys different um, pass marks. So if you've got a center that averages 75% from the line, On the top 120, 79% is the average, so you'd be considered below average. But compared to other players in that position, it's actually not too bad. It's actually better than a lot of other alternatives that you would be drafting in that position. Um, So, again, we've got to try and give it a little bit of a different... um, uh, Rate it a little bit differently to potentially like a point guard who averages 80%. That's actually not that great compared to its positional average. Um, So you might be missing out on a chance to bolster your free throw percentage by drafting someone who's only at 80% because you know that when you're drafting your centers later, they're going to drag it back down again. Again, there are some exceptions, of course, like every other... Um, you know, rule and, and category, but in general and through the averages, which is what this data is representing, that is how it sort of picks up here. So that's how it all looks up in terms of categories per position. I thought that was an interesting exercise to go through. Let me know what your thoughts are down below in the comment section below. To finish up the podcast today, what we're also going to just finish up with is some interesting players, specific players that have um, unusual, weird or useful positioning in uh at yahoo so i've used yahoo i could have gone through all of them but that just would take too much time and i don't want to bore you guys too much with this one sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the
3: upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. time. DLM's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.
1: Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
3: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
2: But on Yahoo, I always find this very interesting because depending on your punt builds, you might be looking for a specific type of player to fill your point guard and center position, usually the two that we want to be paying most attention to sometimes power forwards as well. But if we look at point guards, I want to highlight four players here that um, are useful or unusual, one of the two. So Donovan Mitchell, not that unusual, um, but useful for the fact that he is a player that despite averaging only 4.4 assists, he is one of the sort of top 20 Players And one of the best point guards in the NBA in terms of fantasy basketball because he averages huge points, huge threes, one and a half steals, pretty decent field goal percentage and that 48.4%. So again, we look back here, 48.4%. That is well above the average of 44.9 for point guards. So for his position, that's really quite good. And even though it's a slight negative for his position, really strong. Um, He also averages 86.7% from the free throw line on really good attempts. So he's someone that if you in a punt assist build, for example, is probably one of the best point guards to have in your team because his value doesn't come just from those big assists like a lot of other point guards do. Um, The next three here, guys, are probably guys that I didn't expect to have the point guard um, positional eligibility, but we've got Jalen Green, who's point guard, shooting guard eligible. Gary Trent Jr., who's point guard, shooting guard uh, eligible. The great point guard, Gary Trent Jr., and his 1.6 assists per game. Yeah, what a point guard. Um, Bruce Brown is also another interesting one. We'll talk about him again in a second. He's got three positions in point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. So, Again, these guys, not big assists, but in the case of Jalen Green, you've got some really big points. Um, Gary Trent Jr., you've got great points, steals, and threes, good free throw percentage, low turnovers if you care about that. Um, and then Bruce Brown, he's kind of just like a jack-of-all-trades. He gives you some really nice steal numbers. Uh, decent enough block numbers, again, from the point guard eligible player. If you're looking for those kind of stats from a guy that you can put at that position, then that is something at least useful, especially later in drafts when you can pick them up quite late. That is definitely something that I think is worthwhile looking at as well. All right, the next one here, weird, wacky, useful positions. We've got players with lots of positions, three or more. Josh giddy funnily enough, doesn't have point guard eligibility, which I find crazy. But he is a shooting guard, small forward, power forward. So again, if you were in a bit of a punt big man stats, you could put Josh Giddy as your power forward. So if you're getting seven plus assists from your power forward player in your fantasy team, that is really nice. Paul George, Brandon Ingram... Franz, Franz Wagner are all also shooting guards, small forwards, and power forwards. So, again, those punt big man stats, really useful to have Paul George as your power forward or Brandon Ingram as your power forward. Franz Wagner, all of them give you great free throw percentage, points, threes, assists, um, steals from Paul George especially, really handy for that position there. And then, of course, on the other side of things, Bruce Brown and Ben Simmons Uh, Bruce Brown, like I said, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, and he's going to give you um, decent field goal percentage, steals, uh, blocks from that position. And then Ben Simmons is one of the weirder ones I've seen. He's a point guard, he's a shooting guard, shooting guard Ben Simmons, the the lethal shooting guard, um, and he's a power forward eligible player. Um, So that just, just, you know, skip small forward. I think he also played a bit of center last year as well, so... I don't know, why don't we just give him all five? Like, why not? Uh, but Ben Simmons, obviously, if you're looking for those rebounds, field goal percentage, blocks from a point guard eligible player, steals, and, you know, he's not going to get you three, he's not going to give you a good free throw percentage like most other point guards would, but he can give you those sort of out of position, better than average, better than positional average stats. So he's a good one for those punt uh, threes or punt free throw percentage builds as well. And then... On the other side of things, at the centres, useful centres that you might not realise are centres. Giannis is actually a centre this season over on Yahoo, which I don't know how useful it is, but it's it's interesting, at least. Um, Pascal Siakam is a go-to one for me. He's a really nice guy because, again, averaging big points for that position, we saw before, points in centres is down, assists in centres are down. His free-throw percentage isn't the best, but, again... 77.4%. It is on decent volume, but if you compare that to someone else you could have in that position, you know, say you had someone like a Mitchell Robertson in that position shooting 48%, it's a lot less of a hit in that category than, you know, uh, Pascal Siakam's 77 despite it being below par. It's still, for his position, not too bad. Zion Williamson is centre-eligible, and I think that's a, a really fascinating one because... He's a huge boost to your field goal percentage. He doesn't necessarily give you center-type rebounds and blocks. Um, He gives you great points, way more points than other centers would. He gives you decent assists for a center-eligible player as well. Um, The steals would be about average. So, yeah, just a really interesting one. Doesn't necessarily fit a build super neatly, but maybe if you wanted to go with like a real funky punt rebounds or oh, punt blocks but still want to maybe look after your field goal percentage if there maybe are a few other teams that are also punting field goal percentage and you just want to throw in Zion. If you're really strong under free throws, maybe you started with a um, a Damian Lillard and then a Trey Young and you're looking to punt that, uh, that block category but maybe someone like a Zion could get that field goal percentage up to respectable and you can beat a lot of those other teams that are punting field goal percentage Something interesting because, again, the points are amazing. The assists are are pretty good. Again, if you can slot him here at center, I think it's definitely something worthwhile considering. Um, And then the last one there, Jabari Smith Jr. is another really interesting one. So, again, a guy who can give you threes. He can give you decent enough points and free throw percentage. Fingers crossed the steals come back like he put up in college, although I'm not absolutely banking on it, but he is someone that... Again, if you want just a center that can give you some good threes and points, um, he can do so without hurting you too much from the free throw line there as well. If you're punting field goal centers, you're not too worried about his lack of boost in that category. Um, So just ones that, if you weren't aware, can be used as centers on Yahoo. They might be different on other sites there as well. But just um, for those people who are on Yahoo, really useful, especially for those really aggressive punts where we're punting three or four categories. Um, those guys are, are usually quite pivotal. All right. So thank you very much for listening today, guys. To finish it up, just to give you, if you are keen on joining the 30 team, uh, Ball Boys Championship 30 League, um, to do so, you need to be following me on Twitter, at Ball Boys Fantasy. You need to then go over to Apple Podcast. I I think I said Spotify on the last podcast. You can't actually write a review on Spotify, you can only give the five-star rating. So give us the five-star rating, but to enter the the competition, you need to go onto Apple Podcast, give us a five-star rating and review. And in your review, where you write down your kind, lovely words, um, put in your Twitter handle. And then when I see the most creative, the funniest, the funnest, and the most standout reviews, I'm going to message you on Twitter and grab some details so I can get you in the league. So you have to leave your handle in that description so I know how to find you on Twitter and you have to be following me on Twitter so I can then communicate with you. So those things have to happen. Make sure you guys are giving me the funnest and most creative reviews. Those ones will stand out to me. Uh, We'll be inviting 29 people to come and join me to do that one. Weekly changes, $25.00. Get your reviews in there, guys. And until next time, I'll see you later. Bye.